You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Today, I'm here with Matt Kritikos, who is co-founder of Worldwide 101, and we're going to find out a little bit about their company and the work they do in staffing and kind of the unique model they have. And we're going to talk a little bit about their history, how they started the company, how the growth has gone. We're going to learn a little bit about what's worked, what hasn't, and we're going to have a chance to hear from one of the experts, so one of the co-founders here. So, Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start? I always like to start by having guests just give a little bit of a history. So how did things start? What was the founding of Worldwide like? How did it start? Why did it start? And how did you get into it? What's your your background? Yeah, sure. So um, my wife and I uh, founded the business. We started late 2010. Well, the story sort of begins with us going back to the to Europe for Christmas. We saw our, our family there. We'd been working in the States for 20 years, hadn't seen our family for a, for a few years and thought to ourselves, gosh, everyone's looking a bit older. <laughs> we need to start thinking about coming closer to home. And so at the end of 2010, we basically packed ourselves up, moved back from the US to Europe. And it was the beginning of a new chapter. It was an opportunity, obviously, for us to sort of recreate our situation and, and build something that would really work for us, both on a sort of personal level, where we lived and how we sort of lived our life and, and also the, the work we did. So that was sort of the, the inspiration and genesis for beginning something new. Got it. And what was the original service? Like, how were you, what need did you see in the in the market and what problem were you trying to solve or what need were you trying to fulfill? Yeah. I mean, what originally happened is, as you probably know, beginning of 2010, it was a very sort of hot time for freelancing. Yeah. So Sandra, my co-founder, I um, have diverse skills. I come from a marketing communications and web background. She comes from an operations and HR background. We started freelancing and both of us share a sort of real passion and real commitment for excellence and, and doing a you know, a great job and having really happy clients out of it. And those clients started sharing with their friends and, and you know, it, it was working really well. And it, we reached the point where we, we literally could not do it ourselves anymore. We couldn't yeah. keep providing these services personally. And so we started bringing on a team with similar values to us that had that passion for service and for high quality results. And so really had a life of its own. It was really sort of organic. In fact, founding the company itself was almost an afterthought. You know, yeah. it's so, suddenly we had to start paying people yeah. in a bank account. So we founded the company. But, you know, up until then, it was really just about offering great services with passion and, and trying to do a great job. Yeah. So you mentioned bringing on people with values. So how, how did you go about deciding who to bring on? So I think that's one of the huge challenges that most companies have. How do you choose? How do you find the right people and, and how do you select them and how do you recruit them? A very good question. And, and it's definitely been an iterative process that we've learned a lot over the years. You know, when we first started out, it was bringing on people as fast as we could and really focusing on skills. Yeah. And then we re realized that that just wasn't enough. It wasn't yeah. enough to just focus on skills and that, that values and culture are for services business, particularly absolutely vital. In fact, it's the 
bedrock of the business because it's all about people. It's all about relationships. It's through your people that your your company's life force sort of flows. So you know, after after a few uh, you know sort of bad experiences <laughs> early on, where, where, where we've made some horrible, always a few. Mistakes, always horrible a few. hiring mistakes. In fact, my founder tells the funny story about uh, one of our team who sort of disappeared on us and. and and later, we saw pictures on her Facebook page about a wild weekend in Las Vegas when we thought she was in hospital with a kidney problem. So those sort of experiences made us realize very quickly that we needed to, one, be very clear about our values ourselves and articulate them for ourselves so that we could then look for those yeah. in our hiring process. And so, you know, we've done a, you know, a lot of clarifying what's important to us. And one of the main things really is about having people who share that quality of really wanting other people to succeed. And, you know, for our team, their success is their client's success and their client's success is their success. So it's this it's about this circular relationship that they establish together. That virtuous cycle, virtuous cycle of success. Yeah. Yes. I'm just kind of curious in terms of the actual hiring process, any any tricks or tools or techniques that you've learned to use to understand those core values or to be able to assess those core values? Because I always find that it's one thing to have an articulated set of core values for a company. It's another thing to say, well, OK, and during the hiring process, this is how we figure out if they're shared or not. Yeah. It's so easy to ask these kind of leading questions of, well, do you, do you care about the success of other people? Well, sure I do if it means I'm going to get a job. <laughs> how do you, so how do you do yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, one of the, the for example, that uh, point that, you know, we just talked about, which was, you know, looking for people that are looking for others to succeed. So if you ask them a question like something like, so what does, you know, what does success look like for you? Someone who's really into themselves is going to talk about themselves and, and how great they are and all of those kind of things. Someone who's really interested in other people's success is going to talk about their team. They're going to talk about their clients, they're going to talk about how they work together, how they collaborated. So we're looking for that kind of evidence that they yeah. that they have have those those qualities. Yeah, I, I like that strategy of kind of asking them a neutral question about background or you know what was the best experience you had professionally, and then seeing what are they talking about. What is the focus of the conversation? Is it them and how great they did? Was yes. it the team and and how what a wonderful job that they did for the client? Good strategies. Exactly. Uh, the other, the other thing, the other thing that's important for us, we we really see the the whole process of recruitment from start to finish. It's like everybody is. It's not you're not just on during the interview. You're on during the whole process. So it's about the replies to the emails that we send out. Yeah. Are they responsive? Are they polite and really friendly in their responsiveness? If there's a, a situation like maybe a meeting has to be rescheduled or something like that, do they are they gracious in the way they respond to that you know so it's all they're the little examples of how they act in real life yeah through the through the recruitment process which really kind of shows i had a client for a while that they intentionally would reschedule an interview to see how the candidate would handle it and they would intentionally make them wait for i think they had 30 minutes they made them wait for their 30 minutes for the interview because they wanted to see like how how does this candidate respond to these kind of situations because that was something that was really important to them yeah yeah it's interesting that the the sort of strategies you can use in the recruiting and hiring process to kind of to tease out some of these things. And it's always a challenge because you you kind of err on one side or the other. You, know, you can have false positives or false negatives. And, you know, which which do you want? Would you rather hire somebody that maybe wasn't the best or do you want to 
miss, you know, exclude a candidate may have would have been a great hire and, you know, figuring out that balance is, is key. Yeah. So in terms of the kind of the, the services, the companies you're working with now, who, who is your core customer? Who's your target? Well, how are you helping folks with with your people? So you, you've got these great people. What is the actual engagement model for you? Well, it really varies. We have a, a big segment of, of customers that are solopreneurs and they're solo operators who don't have a team who don't want a team, they're an expert in their subject matter and are looking to to draw in other people to help them with whether it's marketing or administration or project management, something like that. So if you want to get on a, a great team member for the long term, you basically have to establish a, the kind of relationship that can go on for the long term. And for most people, that's employment. Mm-hmm. But for a small business, the, the model of employment is just so complicated and cumbersome. Yeah. The contracts, the recruitment, the payroll, the you know the legalities of it all. So you know having a company like ours that can that will basically give you uh, staffing as a service out of the box, a brilliantly trained, you know high quality person that's you know available to you long term for exactly the number of hours that you need them, but you don't need to employ them because we take care of that. We employ them. We take care of all of everything that you need. So. So for the small solopreneur or very small business that doesn't have the infrastructure of hiring, it's a fantastic solution. For the medium-sized business, and I suppose now more and more the enterprise business, given this hiring economy, the challenge is finding great people, just a period, and particularly finding people locally. So that's where we come in because we're remote. For a business looking for someone non-local, if they want to hire someone, say they're in New York, they want to hire someone in California, Mm-hmm. or somewhere else. For them, that's a pretty complicated process because it means establishing in another state mm-hmm. all of the, the complex legal complexities, tax complexities of doing that. And so, you know, we're, we're opening up a whole new audience of potential people working remotely uh, that they, they basically can't get to unless they have, they're willing to go through all of the complexities of doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's sort of facilitating a relationship or an engagement with talent that you otherwise either is too burdensome or you just can't do practically. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the service, I mean, one thing that I find many companies kind of struggle with that it's easy to get caught into trying to do everything, right? That guy, well, we could do that. I I know somebody can do that. So let's provide that as a service. Like how have you kind of made the choice or, or honed which services or which type of people you want to be focused on and in which case if you're not like, give, give me a little insight into that process and, and to the extent that you've you know had to make some choices over time. How did you make those choices and, and why did you make them? Yeah, that's a very good question because early, early on when we were just starting, we really wanted to try and do everything. As yeah. you say, it's like we, it was, it was a very personalized service and we were trying to really cater to each client's very, very, very tailored requirements. And I think it was just a a process of realizing what we were good at. Like, for example, you know, executive administration is is really our core course speciality. Marketing and social media is another core speciality. But then when we started getting into stuff like more like salesy sort of stuff, more complex technical stuff, we realized we couldn't do that as well as true specialists in that. So there was no point in trying to do it half heartedly or, you know, in a, in a mediocre way, we wanted to focus on the things that we could really do well. Yeah. Choice of saying no is actually a hard choice. Sometimes, you know, a a customer wants something and you have to say, no, you know, actually we can't do that. 
Yeah. We can do this, but we can't do that. Yeah. And the other challenge I find around scaling is just kind of, a you know, from a management, like how do you stay connected to your people? Run a company where all of our folks were on site with clients. And so, you know, creating this kind of company culture, this this personal relationship connection with the people that work for me and the people that I'm working with. How do you do that given given your model, given that you have this remote model where people are off working with their clients and they're physically located around the world? Yeah, it, it is um, something that you have to be extremely conscious about. It's not something that will have happen accidentally. Obviously, when you are in the office, you've got that sort of body language, you've got that whole thing going on, a sort of bonding that happens, which doesn't happen remotely unless you make it happen. So for us, it's, it's really, you know, Zoom, Skype, these uh, video conferencing tools are really our you know, main, (laughs) the the main software we have, you know, we're using constantly because whenever we're speaking to our team, we're trying to, to get that FaceTime so that it, it is very much like being together. And, you know, we, we really take every opportunity to really, you know, talk, talk just, just like you would, if you were in the office, you know, have have a water cooler. We have a Slack channel, which is our water cooler. And we, you know, post our Halloween photos and try and guess who your colleague's husband was dressed up as, you know, uh, last week and, yeah. and those kind of things, which, which keep it personal, which keep it, yeah. you know, and, you know, on a, obviously on a professional level, it is very much about over communicating, about yeah. communicating, 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 staying in touch, not assuming that, you know, obviously you don't want to micromanage. So the style of management becomes much more about setting objectives and, and performance rather than showing up or just sort of micro yeah. kind of details it's about the end result. But still, you you absolutely want to have really regular check-ins and stay in touch and, and meet on a regular basis and really give people the space to talk, really give people the space to share with you how it's going for them. Because, you know, sometimes in the rush of, of operations and getting things done and, you know, it doesn't always come out. So you need to give people the space to really share if they've got a nickel about something or if there's mm-hmm. a concern about the way something's working so that, you know, people feel that, that they, they have the space to really to share with you what's going on and, and you can address it uh, yeah. straight away. I had, uh, I had a company, we, we, we had a working with a team that was all, all remote. And one of the things we, we put in place is that every meeting, you had to be on time for every meeting, but every meeting had the first five minutes. Like we wouldn't start the agenda for five minutes. We had five minutes of just casual conversation before every meeting. And it was just a structural way to bring in that kind of unscripted, unstructured conversations so we can get to know, like, what did you do this weekend? Like, what's going on there? And it, it, like, it was a interesting way to kind of sort of, uh, build in un, you know, structure, structure, unstructured conversation <laughs> in, into the yeah, plan. Because otherwise, it wouldn't true. happen. I mean, if you're not physically around, it's just so easy to jump in these meetings, and it's okay. Boom, boom, boom. Here's the agenda. What are the takeaways? Okay, talk to you later. Everything becomes yeah, business. Absolutely. You know, you don't have that casual time. That's right. And I think what's also important is that it has to be really uh, natural. You can't force it. You can't um, try and sort of uh, manufacture uh, close relationships with people. So, you know, for example, one of the the fun things that we do with our team, we have this uh, stuffed dog called Pugsy and he travels, he travels around the world visiting our team members. 
photographers and our team members take photos with their kids and then we all have to guess or well, where is he this week this month and it's it's things like that where we really get to know each other we we get to know the families we get to know you know it sort of breaks down boundaries and and, and, and creates closeness in a, a really great way yeah it's always that um you know, do, do I really appreciate the other people on my team as people and the lives that they're in and everything that's going on? Because it's, it, it's tough. If I just see them as a resource, if I just see them as an email address or an employee number or a phone number that I'm calling or texting, it's easy to not appreciate and not treat people with kind of respect or with you know, kind of the personal care that, that you really need to, and especially in service-based businesses. That's absolutely true. So talk to me a little bit about the client too. You've kind of honed in on some of the services. You mentioned that, you know, a lot of solopreneurs, small companies, a little bit in this mid-market now. I always find just like staff, just like people that you want to hire and do they fit core values, that that, that goes true with clients as well. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you've learned which clients are more successful, are, are going to be best fits for you as a business and, and what clients haven't been. Like how, how do you filter, how do you choose who you're going to work with and who you're not? It's vital. In fact, you know, it's truly as important as the the quality of your team, because to have great people on your team, you've got to have great clients to have great clients. You've got to have great people. And it's this, again, it's that, it's that circle. So, you know, our team are the lifeblood of our business. And so having great clients is really key. So, you know, I think it, it again, it's about articulating your values. I think we communicate through our website, through our communications, who we are. We communicate the kind of companies that we typically work with and the sort of values that we're looking for. So there's a sort of pre-selection that happens okay. there in terms of customers. And then, you know, during the, the lead process, during the, the sales process, we're listening very carefully to who clients are, the way they're speaking, the way they are likely to relate to their right-hand person that we're, we're going to be supporting them with. Mm-hmm. It's really listening out. It's the hardest thing to tell someone that maybe this won't be a great fit. And it's always a, a very uh, delicate situation <laughs> that requires a lot of diplomacy. Yeah. It doesn't happen too, too often, to be honest, but yeah. um, it has happened. Yeah. And in terms of how, like, what, what do you do find the right, the right prospect, the right customer? Talk to me about onboarding, because I think particularly when you're dealing with this kind of fairly intimate service, right? The, these people are working, your folks are working fairly closely with, you know, with your clients. How do you onboard? How do you train? How do you build that relationship so that that's going to be a successful partnership for you and for the client? Yeah, I I mean, it's absolutely critical. You know, if you want a long-term relationship with someone, that relationship has to be set up correctly from right from the very beginning. And actually, it's how we as a company differentiate from many other people in sort of similar markets, which is that we do really pay an inordinate amount of detail to the match between the client and the team member. So most of the other companies, uh, virtual assistant companies that we sort of used to be moons ago, are basically just giving someone the next available person. Yeah, It's pretty hit and miss as to to whether it's going to work out. So instead, what we're looking for is a one, a skills match, but two, very much a personality match because you're going to be working closely with this person. You've got to get on with each other. You know? yeah. If you don't want to work together, if you don't yeah. uh, hit it yeah. off, it's it's just not going to work. You know, and, and different clients want different things. You know, some clients are very sort of creative and they want someone who's very structured. Yeah. 
who can kind of help keep them in line. You've got other people who are very structured who want someone more creative. You've got different clients who are looking for different qualities in their team. And that goes beyond skills. That's more about their work style or, or their personality. So we go through this very tight matching process and then clients meet their team before. And in fact, it, both of them have to choose to work together. Yeah. So the client meets, they meet each other. The client says, yes, I want to work to work with her or him. And our team member says, yes, I want to work with him. So it's a mutually agreed uh, relationship. And we find that by doing that, I know it sounds maybe a little odd, but by doing that, clients actually in the long run end up with someone who's really committed to their success yeah. because they've chosen to engage and to work, work on it. If they're not really into it if they're not really passionate about it, it it's you know it's not going to happen so. yeah i like that idea that it's a it's a double opt-in both sides have to say yes so you mentioned a couple of tools but i'm kind of curious g- given your model and your situation the context of being remote with your team members uh, you mentioned slack what else or you know even how you're using slack but what other tools are you using to connect folks to manage process manage communications what what have you used? What what is what is out there and that is now critical to, to operating the company and, and making that work? Yeah, I, I mean obviously Slack, Zoom, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. Skype used to be Skype becoming less now. I think one of the, the key ones is some sort of project management tool. So whether that's Asana or, or Basecamp, something like that. But then really the heart of our business is, is Google and yeah. G Suite. Mainly one, because it's, it's extremely easy to work remotely in that way, but also because you know a significant portion of our clients are on the same system. Yeah. So it makes sharing and, and integrating extremely easy yeah. across the board. So, you know, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, people ask, you know, what are you using as so though there's some like magic, <laughs> magic tool you've got. And, and truly it's, it's not so much about the, I mean, the tools are important obviously, but it's also, it's the way you use them and that you use them. Yeah. That you, you know, you really take advantage of them. And that if you're going to take on a new tool that you really are clear that you are ready and that you are committed to using it. So, you know, I, I see a, a lot of people, they see the latest gizmo you know, and they, yeah. they sign up for it and they use it for two weeks and, and then they stop using. Now, that's fine if you're on your own. But if you're working in a team where everyone has to get on board and, and commit to this new processes that surround it, then you really want to be sure that, you know, yeah. you're going to commit to this ongoing. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned that it's not just the tool about how you use it. Any good kind of policies or processes or, you know, heuristics that you've developed as a company about sort of what tool to use when and how to make sure you're using the right tool at the right time for the right kind of message? I mean, there's a couple of things. One is the, you know, around communication. I I think communication is an absolutely vital mechanism. So particularly when you're working remotely, you're not seeing the client that you're working with. So so number one rule is get back to the person when they message you uh, to acknowledge the communication, Uh, to let you know that you've received it. Because, you know, particularly also, also with our team, because they're not necessarily working for a client full time, a client may have, you know, two hours a day and then they have other clients for a few, a few other hours. So you may, the client may send you something in the morning. If you don't get back to them until the afternoon, they're wondering about where it is. Yeah, I think it's a great one. And it's one that I think we forget is just let, acknowledging receipt. <laughs> yes. And, and then also kind of telling people, okay, and you can expect a more detailed reply at a certain point. You, even if it's, you know what, I'm swamped this week, it's going to be next week. Okay, at least I at least exactly. I know how it's not floating out there as, did they get it? Did they not get it? Did they, are they, did I say something wrong? <laughs> you know, 
That's that's right. You know, it's really just kind of closing the loop on that. Uh, any other ones? Any other uh, sort of tips around uh, effective communication that that you've learned as a company? The thing I would say is that that sort of rule doesn't just apply to uh, email. It it applies to any system that you're using. If someone posts something um, that you know that you you get back to them. Um, but I I think the other thing is not so much a rule about the software, but sort of setting expectations. Because again, you know, with our team, again, so maybe they're working for two hours in the morning, maybe an hour in the afternoon for that particular client. So it really helps to set expectations around when I'll be available, yeah. when I'm like, when, when do we have shared time that we'll be working at the same time so that we can touch base and, and, and when am I not going to be there? So you're not, you know, wondering what's going on and, and all of that sort of thing. So it's again, and, and it's about remote work. It's about setting agreements and having sort of shared understandings about the way you're going to be working when you're going to be working so that everyone's clear and not in the dark and wondering about what's happening yeah i think that's that's good it's you know being clear being explicit writing it down having having it posted somehow the working agreements the the rules of the road for the team i think is important i think there's a lot of a lot of assumptions that get made or common sense things that are actually not so common, <laughs> you know, that end up causing problems if, if they're not discussed and agreed to. Th- yeah. This has been really helpful. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated both by your story of, of the company, uh, a lot of great insight in terms of how to, how to work with, you know, virtual teams. If people want to find out more about you, about Worldwide, what's the best way to get more information? The best way is to come to our website, worldwide101.com. We've got a lot of content. We've got some great videos, which explain subscription staffing and what we do and how we help businesses, you know, find awesome people on a very, very simple, compliant monthly uh, with a simply monthly payment makes it just so easy for for business to work. So come to worldwide101.com. We're actually offering a uh, 20% off your first month for any users that uh, have uh, been listeners of, of the podcast. So you can mention that when you when you speak to one of our team. Yeah, worldwide101.com. Um, if you have any questions, you want to email us, uh, please feel free to email us at hello at worldwide101.com. And uh, we're we're on social and Facebook, on awesome. uh, Twitter and, and, and everywhere. <laughs> Good. I'll make sure that those links are on the show notes here so people can click through. Great. And take advantage of the 20%. It's a great way to kind of reduce some of the... Some of the risk of uh, trying this out. I know a lot of people are curious, but they haven't really pulled the trigger. Uh, this would be a great chance to give that a try and, and see the power of you know, virtual staffing. Matt, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the program. We'll stay connected. Okay. And thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bruce. Take care. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.